grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. stewardship emphasis, and there's been four of them, and this is the fourth one, Um, and this one is under the theme, a God-lived life, but specifically, a God-lived life is a life that's lived shrewdly, and we'll hear more when we consider the parable of the shrewd manager. Our first lesson for this special stewardship Sunday, as well as the first Sunday after Easter, is found recorded in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunam. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to eat a meal with her. So whenever he passed by, he would stop there for a meal. Then she said to her husband, Listen, I know that the man who passes by here all the time is a holy man of God. Let's make a small upper room on the roof, and let's put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Then, whenever he comes to us, he can stay there. One day when Elisha came there, he went into the room and lay down. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the woman of Shunem. He called her, and she stood in front of him. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her, you have been very concerned about us. What can we do for you? Is there something we can request for you from the king or from the commander of the army? She said, I am living among my own people. Then he said, What can be done for her? Then Gehazi said, Well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood at the doorway. Then he said to her, At this time next year, you will be holding a son. But she said, No, my lord, you, man of God, do not deceive your servant. But the woman conceived, and she gave birth to a son at that same time of year, just as Elisha said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at the 6th verse, St. Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we certainly cannot take anything out. But if we have food and clothing, these things, we will be satisfied. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into complete destruction and utter ruin. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. By striving for money, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. But you, O man of God, flee from these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, 
and about which you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who made a good confession as a witness before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this command without spot and without fault until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will make known at the proper time. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or is able to see, to him be glory and power forever. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to put their hope in the uncertainty of riches, but rather in God, who richly supplies us with all things for our enjoyment. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you are storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, beginning at the first verse. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager who was accused of wasting his possessions. The rich man called him in and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What will I do? Since my manager is taking, my master is taking away the management position from me. I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do. So that when I am removed from my possession position as manager, people will receive me into their houses. He called each one of his master's debtors to him. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, 600 gallons of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 300. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, 600 bushels of wheat. He said to him, take your bill, and write 480. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of the light are. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon, so that when it runs out, you will wel they will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. The person who is faithful with very little is also faithful with much, and the person who is unrighteous with very little is also unrighteous with much. So if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will trust you with what is really valuable? And if you have been unfaithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you something to be your own? No master can serve. No servant can serve two masters. Indeed, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Pharisees who loved money also heard all these things and sneered at him. He said, to the, he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of the people, but God knows your hearts. In fact, 
what is highly regarded among people is an abomination in God's sight. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It was the gospel reading that we read from the lectern, Luke chapter 16, beginning at the first verse. I open with these words from the section. No servant can serve two masters. Indeed, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, as we rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord, what would you, be, what would you like to be known as? One who is wise or one who is shrewd? Well, I would definitely lean towards wanting to be the wise one because doesn't the word shrewd have a little bit of a negative connotation? Yes, you could say he was a, he was a shrewd businessman and that would actually be considered a compliment. But the word shrewd itself, the way it's used in the English language and even in the Greek language, has a little bit of idea of, of cunningness or, or even of trickery. So yes, I would rather be known as one who is wise versus one who is shrewd. Because a shrewd person can be very wise, but as we see in our parable here, this wise man who was a servant and, and an accountant for a rich man, we're told he was dishonest. In fact, this very parable is very unique and is like none of the other parables, those earthly stories with heavenly meanings that Jesus used over and over again as his favorite teaching tool. Because in a nutshell, God is telling us here, and our Lord Jesus as he teaches it to the people and especially to the Pharisees, he's teaching you can learn something from someone who's dishonest. The Pharisees, by the way, put two and two together and knew that Jesus was directing it towards them. In fact, they were known to be greedy for money. And when they heard this parable, they sneered at him. But as we gather together this morning, we don't sneer at these words, but instead take them to heart. For it is only with a believing heart that we understand Jesus' lesson on money management. Yes, as Jesus taught, there was a rich man who found out that his servant was abusing his possessions. Now the word servant here is not the word servant that would be used in the sense of, of a, a, a slave who was expected to wash people's feet as they came into the door. This was not considered the lowliest in the household. This is the servant who not only would see, oversee the household, but in this case, he was actually this man's treasurer. And he found out that he was abusing the rich man's, his master's possessions. 
Well, the, the, the master himself called him in and told him that he would be fired and gave him an opportunity to get the accounts in order so that he can clearly pass it on to someone else that he can trust. This dishonest manager didn't know what to do or, or at first would be asking himself the question, what shall I do? I, I am not strong enough to dig and, and I'm too embarrassed to beg. In fact, I'm ashamed of it. This was a man who, who must have had a, a very high social status and he didn't want to lure himself by doing menial work. So he devised a plan. He would go to the debtors and he would try to win them over to him. He would try to make friends with him and use money to do it. He went to the first man and said, how much do you owe? We hear that he owes 600 barrels of olive oil. We'll make it 300. That was 50%. He cut the bill in half. The next one dealt with bushels of of wheat, and, and that one he cut by 20%. Why did he cut them both the same? We're not told. But clearly, what he was doing was considered generous by the debtors, for they were willing to pay what was left. Now the master comes and commends him. This man just lied, cheat, cheated, and stole from him. And yet he would commend him? He would commend him because he saw the value of money for what it really was, as an opportunity to, to share and even use it to make friends. He's not commending him for the dishonesty. He's not, he's not commending him because he cheated him of what was rightly his. But again, that he saw what the purpose of money is really all about. And then comes those words that, that Jesus spoke. He says here, he said, For the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon. What is this unrighteous mammon? The word mammon, by the way, is actually transliterated, it's, it's in the Greek, transliterated from the Hebrew language. So it's a Hebrew word. And mammon actually has, as part of its root letters, the same root letters in the word amen. So mammon was always understood to be that which you have been entrusted with. It is a trust that you are to manage. That's mammon. But he calls mammon here as unrighteous. Which means it wouldn't be right with the Lord. Because, because mammon can easily be abused and, and people see it as their very own God. Or they, or they believe that the more they have, the happier they'll be. And, and the more rich they have, then they even will go so far as to believe that God must be blessing me because God's happy with what I'm doing. Look at how wealthy I am. That the purpose is to make more and to get more and the more you have, the happier you'll be and the more you think you'll need. It'll 
actually become a vicious circle. Many translations translate the word unrighteous mammon as worldly wealth, and I would agree with such a translation because that's what the words are pointing to. That's what they mean. You see, my dear friends, what Jesus is teaching us here is not, as many believe, that money is the root of all evil. In fact, there's no place in the Bible that even begins to say that money is the root of all evil. When you understand what money really is, and even the possessions that we have, when you see them, that they're a resource that God has given us. In other words, it's a gift of God to be used. Then we use it with great joy and to always to God's glory. You see, it's actually the love of money that is the root of all evil. That's how the Bible really puts it. This, this, treating, this treating money, this love for it, this passion for it, as this is what's going to please me, and this is my God. And when someone loves money, it, it's going to lead to all kinds of evil and, and really a misuse of the very gift that God has given us. Once again, money is a blessing. He gave it to us to certainly use it, knowing that we brought nothing into this world and we can't take anything out. He gave it to us to, to use to take care of our family. In fact, one who doesn't take care of his family is actually worse than an unbeliever. He gave it to use us, to, he gave us money to use to even help the needy and the poor. He even gave us offerings, as we hear in Romans 13, to even pay our taxes. You owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. But above all, he gave us even money and possessions for the ministry itself. And what is always at the heart of the ministry? Our ministry, our purpose here is not to just simply make money. Our purpose in the ministry and what the ministry is all about is to go and make disciples, to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors to the ends of the earth, to share the glorious message that the very Jesus who died for us and paid for our sins rose again. His resurrection is proof he's the Son of God. His resurrection is proof that he rose from the dead and therefore we will rise from the dead. It's proof that there's life after death. It is proof that our sins have been paid in full. We no longer live with guilt and that fear of death. Our Savior lives. And in him, the victory is ours. There is no doubt because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear friends, seeing that, knowing that, taking that to heart, knowing that our purpose in life is not only to prepare for the life to come, but to share the glorious message of Jesus with everyone we meet, God even blesses us with money to use it in connection with that ministry. For how can you share the glorious name of Christ unless you first befriend somebody? And God gave you even money.
money and possessions to do just that, to be generous and sharing it, so you may own, so you may earn the right to maybe share the name of Christ with others, to know that we're making friends, not just for this life, but for the life to come, and to know that we're going to see people joining us in heaven, that we got, that we have the opportunity to share what God has blessed us with. This is living a God-lived life. This is what stewardship is all about. And my friends, above all, this is living a wise life. But God has also called us to live a faithful one as well. Listen to these words. The person who is faithful with very little is also faithful with much. And the person who is unrighteous with very little is also unrighteous with much. If you, do, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you with what is really valuable? And if you have not been faithful in what belongs to someone else, who will give you something to be your own? Three times, it's like we're going through a tunnel and the tunnel is starting to narrow. In the broadest, in the broadest terms, he makes it clear that if you're irresponsible with little, you'll also be irresponsible with much. And the opposite is true as well. This glorious truth is not something Jesus all of a sudden pulled out of a hat, out of thin air. This has been a divine truth that has withstood the test of time. Oh, these are truths that even financial and businesses know. If you can't be responsible with little, they'll never entrust you with great and with much. And if you are responsible, then they do entrust you with more. But how about this? And now the tunnel narrows. But what about the one who, if he's not responsible with his worldly wealth, will he be responsible with that which is of great value? And that which is of great value, you cannot put a price on. That which is of great value is like your time and the talents that God has given you. If you can't be responsible with the little and, and the worldly wealth that God has blessed you with, are you going to be responsible with the things that are even more valuable than money? And finally, if you're not responsible with, with someone else's property, like this dishonest manager, how can you be responsible with your own? The way we use our money it's so tempting to be greedy with it and to be selfish with it. It's mine and I can do with it what I want. That doesn't come from the Almighty God. God gave us money to use and to share, not to be greedy and selfish. And always keep it in mind, we can't serve two masters. We don't see money as evil. We see it as a blessing from God. But it does become evil when that money becomes your God, which is really making yourself God and just using money to do it. But you can't serve two masters. You'll love one, hate the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, you can't have two masters. There only can be one. 
so if money and your sinful self is your master, then God is not. And what you are doing, even if you gave a million to charity, it will not be God-pleasing what you are doing. My dear friends, we serve the Lord. He is our master who made us, who saved us, who gave his life for us, who rose again, who ascended to heaven with the promise that he would come back on the last day and take us and all believers with unified bodies, glorified body and soul together in the glories of heaven. But until that day, we use all the possessions he has given us and especially the possession of money. Use it to God's glory, knowing he is the owner and we are managers. And thank you, God, for the great privilege of being a manager that serves you. Serve him with wisdom. Serve him with faithfulness. For this is a God-lived life. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran, and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.